So this morning I'm going to talk to you about one of my favourite things, which is worship. Um, I've got a real heart for it, as you, as you might know, and it's something we place a high priority on here at Hope Church, so why not talk about it a bit more? Hey? Um, but to start off, I thought I'd just pray, if that is okay with you. Uh, yeah, Father, thank you for your presence here with us this morning. <laughs> uh, we love you, and we recognise that our whole lives are about you. And we just ask that this morning you'd come speak to our hearts, Father. Come and, come and challenge us, inspire us. Just do what only you can do this morning, God. And we love you. Amen. Amen. So, uh, a lot of you know me. I've been around for quite a while. Um, I've been coming to Hope Church for like over eight years now, which is pretty mental. Um, but there's quite a lot of you that I don't know, so I thought I'd start off by just sharing a little bit about who I am. So, you've, you've gathered my name. I'm Steve, Steve Perkins. Um, you can probably tell from the accent, I'm an Englishman. So I hold my hands up to that. Forgive me. <laughs> England's a great place. If you ever go there, it's full of great people. But I chose to live in Scotland, which is full of you wonderful people. What a wonderful place. Um, I'm 32 years old, though I have a nasty habit of forgetting nowadays. It's got to that stage in my life where I have to actually process that, um, which is a little bit weird. Um, I'm married to the amazing Rachel Perkins, who sat over there. If you don't know her, you are missing out. It's a treat. <laughs> um, she's an American, uh, which is also amazing. God bless America. Seriously. Um, we met doing... Uh, a discipleship training school with an organization called YWAM, some of you may have heard of, um, also known as Young Women After Men, which worked a treat for my wife. She found a handsome Englishman and decided to move to England to be with him. That's the abbreviated version. Um, she might tell you a different story, but don't trust her. <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> um, so yeah, after, after we met, we, uh, we got married uh, in 2009, in May, June, and July. Because one wedding is never enough. 2011, we met in, we met in 2009, sorry. <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. We can get through it. Um, so three weddings, that was, a, that was a lot of fun, more of a season for us. So, um, very glad to be at the end of that season, to be honest, and just be married by, by the end, as some of you who have got married may know. Um, on top of that, we've got an amazing daughter called Elisa, Elisa Perkins. She's amazing, like literally blown my mind with how amazing she is. She's two years old. You'll be able to spot her out from all the other kids because she's, she's the cutest one. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I mean, to be honest, I didn't even really like kids before I had Elisa. I was kind of managed to avoid them pretty effectively for you know, 30 years of my life, <laughs> with the exception of the odd occasion where some of our friends would hand me a one-year-old, just, I don't know, some sort of attempt to get all the young men in Hope Church to get used to holding children or something, but it's very uncomfortable, you know, a little kid would squirm, you're like, what the heck is this thing doing? And then eventually it'd, it'd get away, but uh, now I have a child, and uh, <laughs> all is well. I know, I know how to carry a child. <laughs> um, so, I'm going to talk to you about worship. Um, my, my journey with Jesus really started um, with one, worship being a fundamental part of it. I suppose at the beginning, worship was uh, 
sitting on the balcony of an old church, looking at people's bold spots from above and making paper airplanes and listening to a few hymns being sung by people and generally just uh, getting through, we might say, having, having a good time. <laughs> um, probably wasn't until my later teens that I began to understand that a relationship with God is a relationship with God, that it's something that you actually interact like God is the one you actually interact with and you have a living and real relationship with him um, and we used to go to, I used to go to this, uh, this youth group run by my friend's parents he's here today the wonderful Duncan um, and we used to sit and kind of basically have banter together and his mum and dad would try and teach us stuff for 10 minutes or so which is I, I don't know how productive they thought it was but <laughs> we definitely didn't listen very much um, but I remember one week Duncan brought his guitar along to a, a room of teenagers and kind of led us in a time of worship. And you can imagine a room of teenagers who had never done this before. Duncan basically sang with his guitar and we all stared at him <laughs> for about 20 minutes. Um, but God bless him, he kept doing it. Um, and eventually we started to join in um, and God kind of started to overwhelm us with, with his presence. And I think that's probably where I learned about the love of God um, to start with, to know that he actually is interested in me and that he cares about me. So I'm very thankful for that, that he didn't give up <laughs> on the, the room full of us that didn't really care. Um, so yeah, skip forward many years and now I'm here in, in Glasgow. I'm a structural engineer by trade, designing buildings and igloos, if anyone needs an igloo built. Um, which is, which is great. Yep. Um, and I, when, I, when I first came to Glasgow, I found, found this church. And one of the first things that drew me to this church was just the culture of worship and the, prioritize, the prioritization of worship in this place. And also kind of the fact that people were really hungry for, for more of God and for like actually to see his kingdom come and to see people healed and set free. I was like, oh, come on, this is what it's about. So good job, Hope Church. Um, so, yeah worship you guys are awesome at it by the way um leading worship here is just so easy <laughs> uh you can literally just g and then everybody's Woo! it's so good <laughs> yeah so good on you um so i know i'm kind of preaching to the choir this morning almost literally <laughs> uh in some regards but you know that's still good i'm just gonna share a little bit about what i think worship is i guess and why I think it should be number one. <laughs> um, up with Jesus, you know, worshipping Jesus. Yeah. So, this thing called worship, um, what is it? What, what is it? I mean, you would probably think what we just did this morning with some guitars and uh, drums and bass guitars and stuff and singing is worship. And I would say, you are correct. But is that it? I would say no. <laughs> um, I think... Worship is a lot more than that. So I, so I looked up the word worship and found that it's derived from an old English word which is spelt very similarly to the word worship, but I'm sure it's pronounced quite differently. But I'm going to go for worthscape. <laughs> I'm sure it's pretty close. Um, so when, uh, what it means is to assign worth to something, like worthiness to assign worth to something. So I would say that whenever we assign worth to something, we're worshipping. So whenever we assign worth to God, whenever we do anything and say, God, you are my priority in this, we're, we're worshipping. And Romans 12, 1 says, 
Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship, or your reasonable act of worship. So, anything we do or say can be worship to God. Great news for those of you who don't like singing. Um, and the rest of us who only sing every now and again. Um, so, worship should really be everything we do, including all the unglamorous bits. So, your job, driving to work, changing a nappy can all be worship. Playing a game can be worship while maintaining a positive attitude throughout, which I'm <laughs> growing <laughs> better at. <laughs> that can be worship to God. Just getting through, losing respectfully is something I'm, I'm learning to do. <laughs> um, in fact, in the course of preparing for this morning, I was kind of wondering why we even call this team that I'm involved in the worship team, because We've got loads of other teams in Hope Church. We've got a practical setup team. We've got a hospitality team. We've got a kids' work team. All of that's worship. I mean, you're saying that God is worth getting up early on a Sunday morning for to come and move chairs around, to come and set up a kids' room, to come and get the kettle going. You are worshiping God, and I firmly believe that um, through the service of you guys doing all those things, you've set a foundation for when we actually gather together on a Sunday morning and worship, and we're just like, yeah, come on. Um, so... Great news for all of you new people to Hope Church. If you want to join the worship team, we've got like five or six of them. <laughs> Loads to choose from. We've decided to call them different names because we thought it might get confusing if they're all called the worship team. <laughs> but, you know, lots of, lots of choice, lots of choice. Um, so worship as a sacrifice, that, that spiritual act of, of worship that we were talking about in Romans 12, takes on a bit of a whole new context when you read through the, the Old Testament, which a lot of us have been doing. Um, uh, most, most of you probably know, if you don't, we're reading through the Bible together as a church this year, which has been absolutely fantastic. I'm, I'm loving it. What a great thing to do to grow a habit and a discipline of doing something that might be challenging and do it together um, and learn more about this amazing God, more about his full character and stuff. So if you're not doing it yet, it's not too late. It might be March. You might have missed the first four or five books of the Bible. It's no bad thing. <laughs> They're a bit of a roller coaster. <laughs> Um, there are also there are some amazing videos that we've been uh, been watching by some guys called the Bible Project. Um, they're like five or six minutes long, and each one of them summarizes a, the book of the Bible uh, that you're reading. So you could just watch those videos for 20 minutes, and you'd be pretty much caught up with what's going on. And I would encourage you, if you're not doing it, please join us. This is something we're doing together, um, and it's amazing just to encounter more of God through his word. I mean, his word. It's his word. It's his word to us. If you want to hear from God, get into the word of God. Um, so do it. It's amazing. It's amazing. For those of you that have missed the action to date, um, in terms of sacrifice, we've lost a lot of animals. So we've lost a lot of sheep, bulls, goats, and doves to worship in the tabernacle. To describe it as a bloodbath would be not far from the truth. Um, if you've been reading, you'll understand. Some days have been pretty hard going and to be honest, even the reading felt like a sacrifice of worship in itself at times, which it was. So good job for worshipping through that. Um, if we take a step back even further, we read about the Garden of Eden. Um, I was kind of thinking about what worship looked like before, before the fall in that time. And I couldn't find any references to, to worship itself, but all it talked about was kind of this closeness with God, this relationship with God, um, 
you know, they walked in the garden together. And I, think, I kind of think that's what worship was in the garden, this kind of mutual love for one another as they walked together. And that's kind of what we should be striving for, <laughs> I think, in our, in our lives. Um, but because God placed such a great value on free will, he put this big red button in the middle of the garden, do not touch um, this tree, um, because basically, if, if there's no free will, if there's no choice, then how can we love? So he gave us the opportunity to love. Um, and Adam and Eve, uh, they did for a while, but then they, they couldn't resist anymore, and the, the serpent tempted them into eating that fruit. Thank you very much. Um, and... Uh, then there was obviously the fall and the separation and they had to leave the garden and be out of his presence. Um, and the rest of the Bible that we've been reading so far has been, and the rest of the Bible, is all about God working to restore that intimacy with his children. Um, even through all these kind of like hard things that we've been reading, it's all about him wanting to come and restore that intimacy with us. Um, initially speaking to individuals like Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and then a nation and with the aim that the whole world would be blessed through this nation. So all these sacrifices and regulations we've been reading about um, have all been about God coming and wanting to be with us. Um, so there was the tabernacle that he could come and dwell in. There was the, the Levites, the, the, the priests that were able to go in the Holy of Holies and offer these sacrifices. And they went on, in on behalf of the, the rest of the nation. Um, Basically, God wanted to be in the middle of, of their midst. And the way that he could do that was through the sacrifices that they made to cover the sins of the people um, at, that, at that time. Uh, I've really started to kind of get more of an awareness of the holiness of God through this, this reading. Um, it's kind of scary in, in some respects because like, they used to tie ropes around the ankles of the priests and stuff when they go into the Holy of Holies in case they just drop dead in the presence of God. Um, like they were following this pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud in the day. I mean, just get your head around that. They were following a pillar of fire that was the presence of God. It's mental. <laughs> like, it's true. <laughs> it's true. This is the God that we worship today. Um, so, yeah, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we've now been made pure by the blood of Jesus. It doesn't lessen the holiness of God. He is holy. He's pure and righteous. But it just means we should see ourselves very differently because of what he's done for us. 1 Peter 2 says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves are like, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. And then verse 9 says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people called for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were a people, you once, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you'd not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So how good is that? That we get to be this, this chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, we get to enter into the Holy of Holies. In fact, we get to be that temple where God's presence comes and dwells, that fire, that pillar of fire. <laughs> He's inside each one of us. We're his own possession, restored to right relationship and intimacy with him. So when Paul talks about our reasonable act of worship, being to live our lives as a sacrifice, it's not because we need to do certain things to come to God anymore, because Jesus already did it. 
He's already done it. He's paid the price, the sacrifice, once and for all. But now we get to live as the holy set-apart people that he's made us to be. Because he is still holy, but he's made us holy. That's, that's an amazing thing. And then it can be scary, like I said, reading these, these passages in the Old Testament. Um, and I think that's why it's so important we understand who we are now in Jesus Christ. That we have been made clean, we've made, been made holy, we can enter into his presence without fear. But recognizing that he is still this mighty, powerful, awesome God. The same God in the Old Testament as he is today. But he is so loving and kind at the same time with all that power. Um, and he comes to dwell and live within us. So our, our call is to offer our lives to him as a sacrifice every day as a response to what he's already done for us. We worship, in fact, we love, we love him because he first loved us through, through Jesus. I, kind of, I had a revelation a while back about, about my own holiness, which I found really, really helpful. Um, and that was, I was sitting in my, my car at work, feeling kind of like a bit rubbish and dirty and sinful. Um, and God spoke to me, and there was this white BMW next to me. And he said, Steve, you're like this white BMW. And I thought, I don't even like white cars. Why would you, why would you compare me to a, a white car? They get dirty. It's like having a white carpet. Ridiculous. <laughs> um, but he said, no, Steve, you're like this white BMW. It was, it, was, it was dirty, but it was a white car. And he said, no matter how dirty you get, you're still a white car. <laughs> You've been made clean and holy by the blood of Jesus. I mean, you might mess up every now and again. A lot of us do um, get a bit dirty, but that doesn't change our identity as being pure and holy um, before Christ because of what, he's, what have he's, done, he's done for us. And obviously, there's things that we need to deal with when we get dirty. We need to get clean. I very rarely wash my car, to be honest with you, but I like to think that I wash myself in that spiritual way more often. I mean, repentance is a... Is a a word that we kind of avoid sometimes, but it's an amazing thing. It's kind of like that turning around, that getting rid of that dirt, getting rid of the lies that we've been believing and turning to fix our eyes back on him. But none of it changes who we are. We are God's beloved children and he's made us clean and holy. So how do we live this life of worship, this kind of like sacrifice of worship? It's not one that I've got 100% down yet. Um, I'll be honest with you. Um, like I said, I'm a structural engineer, so you know my working week looks like driving to work, working in an office, being pretty busy most of the time, um, and then driving home again. Um, so I was trying to work out what it looked like to live a, like lay my life down every day at work, live a live a live a sacrifice, live as a sacrifice in in my office. And to start with, I thought it it kind of meant being aware of His presence, like in every moment of that day. I don't think that's a bad aim necessarily, but I've come to realize it's not really possible for me. Um, see, I'm a man, <laughs> and I cannot multitask. Just speak to Rachel. <laughs> I can't have my mind fixed on more than one thing at a time. It's just the way it is. Um, so when I'm at work, I'm, I might be working on designing a big building, and I might need to focus on that wholeheartedly for three or four hours at a time. So rather than getting home at the end of the day and beating myself up that I haven't felt God's presence during the day, what I should be doing is just doing that for God. <laughs> um, I can bring the values of the kingdom into my workplace through my diligent working and through the way that I interact with the people around me. And using my trips to the water cooler and the bathroom to refocus my eyes on God is, is, a, is a must because it, it really helps you do the rest of your day 
um, as a sacrifice. So my, my top tip for living a life of worship at work would be to use your toilet trips wisely. <laughs> All of us go to the bathroom. Might not think that we do, but we do. Um, some more than others, but, you know, make the most of that trip. As a, as a man, when I get to the bathroom... Women, you, you may know this, but the, I have a choice when I get there. Am I going to stand or am I going to sit? <laughs> Recently, I've taken to uh, the sitting approach just because it offers me a little bit more solitude and time <laughs> to set my eyes on God. So all those men out there, you men out there, choose, choose seat, sitting down this week um, and take that time to just fix your eyes on God and refocus on him. It's amazing. It really is. I like to... Uh, I like to declare things over myself as well when I'm, when I'm in the bathroom. Uh, it did backfire on me once when I was washing my hands, declaring the goodness of God and all sorts of things about me. And then I realized there was still a guy in the end cubicle, <laughs> which was a little bit embarrassing. So I just legged it. <laughs> just got out there. I don't know who he was. He must know who I was because I'm pretty much the only Englishman in the office. <laughs> but he's not mentioned it, whoever he is. So. But just go for it. It's worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, worship can and should be everything we do and say. That should be the aim, to do everything for him, to offer our lives as a, a living sacrifice to him. Because, you know, how could anything else be enough for God? I mean, he's God. <laughs> um, Bill Johnson says that sacrifice is a step beyond convenience. If we're just worshipping when it works for us and to receive from him, that's not necessarily worship. Um, sacrifice costs something. So when you give your, give your time, your money, your effort to God, that is worship. If you don't feel like it and you worship, that's not being a hypocrite. That is worship. That's a sacrifice of, of praise. Um, in fact, there's a whole book of the Bible that's full of, full of psalms, called psalms, um, which is full of people that have got it sorted out. No. It, they're full of like, oh, my life's rubbish. What's going on? Don't just dip in for an encouraging word because it doesn't necessarily work. It's a lot of, a lot of woe in there. <laughs> but it, it opens us up to be real before God. Um, we get to come as we are. Um, and when we do, he's so faithful to reorientate us towards him and see the lies for what they are. Um, faithful to finish the work that he has started in us. That's, that's who he is. Now, don't read into this what I'm not saying. I still absolutely love sung times of worship. I love this, this what, what we do together when we come together. It's an amazing gift from God. Um, it can be amazing times of the tangible manifest presence of God, bringing renewing and alignment. But that's not the sum of it. It's so much more, so much more than a feeling. Love, love is so much more than a feeling. If you've been married for more than a week, you'll know that love <laughs> is more than a feeling and that it is a choice. Um, but it's a great choice that we get to make. I mean, me and Rachel, we're from different countries. You'd think they're pretty similar, but they're, they're not, I promise you. <laughs> but we, we've been able to live our lives making the choice to, to love each other by kind of, you know, choosing the other one over ourselves on a daily basis. This is what, this is what worship is. Love for God is about us using the freedom that we have in Christ to choose to lay ourselves down for him. If our worship's just become about us experiencing some sort of fuzzy feeling, we've kind of lost the point. Um, there's a choice every day. Will I choose to worship you in what I'm doing? Will I value the things that you value and seek first the kingdom? And as, I, as we point our lives to him, he's so gracious to bless us. I mean, I think about myself a lot, but 
I don't need to because God's thoughts for me number more than the grains of sand on the seashore. So I, just could, I could spend a lot less time thinking about me because he's thinking about me enough for the both of us, if you know what I mean. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I think worship is in a, in a nutshell or a big nut. <laughs> big nutshell. Um, so... I thought I'd also tackle God's presence, because we talk about God's presence quite a lot here at Hope Church, um, which can be a bit of a confusing thing, because, you know, God's in us, but then we talk about God's presence coming, and what, what is going on with God's presence? <laughs> um, in Colossians 1, Paul talks about all things existing through him, and all, being, all things being held together through him, so... In some ways, you know, God's everywhere. He's omnipresent. God is not constrained by us. <laughs> he, he, is, he is everywhere. But in a new, more amazing way, when we become a Christian, when we choose to die, Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us in a new way. God's presence in a new way inside of us. Each of us, temples of the living God that get to carry him around wherever we go. But then it also says, when two or three are gathered in his name, there he, he is in their midst. Well, you're like, well, duh, of course he is. We've all got him inside us. Why do you need to say that? But there's got to be some form of increase when we come and join together. Um, another level of the manifest presence of God when we join together. And then it says he inhabits the praises of his people. So when we come together and then when we worship God together, he comes and just kind of like blows our minds with his presence, his increasing manifest presence. That's what we're invited into to see his face. When we talk about the presence of God, we're literally talking about the manifest presence of the King of Kings, the Shekinah glory of God, whatever that means, the invasion of his kingdom. It's like when we worship together, he comes and is just so with us in a new kind of amazing way that isn't when we're just by ourselves. (laughs) Um, uh, A good example of this I heard was that of a magnifying glass. You know how we kind of say, you know, when we're worshipping, we're magnifying his name, which is a little bit ridiculous because he's bigger than the universe. So how could we make him any bigger? But when you think of a magnifying glass in the hands of a, a small child um, in the sunshine and a little herd of ants, I've heard that sometimes they can uh, use them to fry these little ants as it focuses the sun. I mean, I've just heard. I'm not saying I ever did this as a child. Um, but that's, that's what it's like when we come together, together and worship. It creates a place for kind of like the focused invasion of God to come and bring his kingdom. And for some people, it does look like getting fried. For others, for others it just looks like getting warm. For others, I, I don't know, it looks different for everybody. But that's what it is. It's the, the focused invasion of God's presence when we come together. Cool. Um, so, yeah, that's my take on worship. I thought I'd carry on just by sharing a few reasons why I think worship should be at. Number one priority every day. Um, I've got five to chat about today. I quite like it when people give me a number of points to talk about. I don't know about you, but I like to... helps me remember them. I don't know. I'll write them down. So here we go. Halfway through. A classic five-pointer to finish off with. Um, so number one, why would we worship? Because it's a fitting response to who God is. He's worth it. Just spend a moment thinking about what God's done in your life. This week, just give, give a few minutes up and think, God, what have you done in my life? And let him remind you. And then I guarantee you want to worship because he's done good things for, for, for all of us. Um, even if you just go outside and look at creation, creation speaks of a creator. 
this week with the snow, I was just kind of so blown away by how beautiful it is. Like the untouched snow until all the hoodlums have gone out there and messed it all up. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Um, like a sunset sky or the amazing mountains and locks that we have here up in Scotland are so beautiful. And they just kind of, they ignite my heart to praise and worship. Um, even the universe, I, I, think, I think the universe is amazing. Um, I'm a bit, of a, a bit of a geek inside, really. I lo- love a bit of science. Uh, some people say science has uh, disproved God. I would be of the exact opposite opinion that science has done nothing but prove the existence of God. Um, so if we, if we think about the university, 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 uh, you can go to university to study it if you want. But, um, experts estimate that the total stellar population of the universe estimated is about 70 billion trillion stars. That's, that's quite a lot of stars. Um, the light from the nearest star takes four years to reach us. Now, you know light travels pretty fast. That is a long way. Even the light from the sun takes about eight minutes to get to us. So the sun's a long way away as well. If, it, if we were to count the number of stars in our little Milky Way galaxy, which is one of billions of galaxies, so we're talking about you know, a pretty small bit of the universe, if we were to count the number of stars at a rate of one per second, you know, one, two, <laughs> three. And we were to do that, it would take 2,500 years to count the number of stars in our little galaxy. So next time you sit outside and it's a starry night and you think, I'm going to count the stars, don't. It's the last thing you'll ever do. <laughs> but this, this is our God. This is the God we're talking about. He's bigger than the universe. Like, these, these things blow our mind. We can't really comprehend, like, the size of even our solar system. It's just... It's all, yeah, mental. But he's bigger than this. And Isaiah says that our God placed the stars in space and he calls them each by name. He spoke them into being. They came out of his mouth. These stars that are, like, ginormous. You see the earth next to our star, the earth's like this. And our sun is, like, the size of this building or something. It's ridiculous how big our God is. This is the God that we worship. It's so big, but he's also so intimate and small. This is where it gets really sciencey. So for uh, for billions, well, billions of years, hundreds of years, scientists have been trying to find the smallest thing that they can. No, they found the, the cell. We're all made of cells. Just look at your hand. There's like millions of cells in your hand that all kind of work together to make this thing work. That's just amazing. God made that. Come on. Um, so they thought, okay, we found something really small there. Brilliant. But then years later, scientists came along and said, Oh, we found something even smaller. Here it is, the atom, which is, you know, this, this blob that they, 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 they used to draw in the textbooks. <laughs> the smallest thing. We found it. We've got to the bottom of it. But then a whole lot of new scientists come along and realize that this atom is made up of protons and neutrons, with these little dudes called electrons that just kind of like fly around the outside. Whoa, that's amazing. It's even smaller. And then, years later... Some more scientists came along and decided to whack these things into each other, and then loads of random stuff fired off in all sorts of directions. And they got to choose fun names like pions and neutrinos and bosons and things like that. These are all tiny little particles that they've found that form everything that we, uh, that we see around us. Now, I'm pretty sure that scientists are going to keep doing this for the rest of time and never find the smallest thing. <laughs> That's, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident of that fact. And scientists, they've not found the edge of the universe. Our God created the universe. 
He created everything. He created everything we see around us, the stars that he put in the sky. But he also created all the tiny stuff, the little atoms, the little molecules, the pions, the neutrinos, the bosons. He made all that so small and so intimate. This is our God that we worship. How could I not worship him for what he's done? It's so amazing. I love Psalm 8. Um, I think this kind of sums it up. So when I look at your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and, moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? This God who made all of that chose to come and be a man like you and me. He come, come as Jesus. We all know Jesus who came and humbled himself even to death, death on a cross, so that we could have him dwelling inside us. Just like, come on. <laughs> how, could we, how could we stop worshipping this God who would create all these things and then come and choose to be that sacrifice so that we could be with him? This is, this is the gospel, and it is good, good news. This is amazing stuff. Um, so I'll move on to, to number two, quite a short one, number two. It's, it's, it's what we were made for, worship. We were made to worship God. You were created to worship God. It was your, your, your predestined to worship God. There you go. <laughs> um, before you were born, it's, it's, it's just what we were made for. We were made to be with him, like back in the Garden of Eden, made to be with God. <laughs> number three, it transforms and realigns us. What an amazing gift it is. Um, you might have heard it said that you, kind of, you become like whatever you focus on. So when we worship, we become more like him. We come, become more like the one we, ones we were created to be, created in the image of God. That's, that's unbelievable in itself, us as humans. He formed us from the dust and breathed life into us for relationship with, with him. And I love the verse about like we with unveiled faces will reflect the Lord's glory being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. So as we become unveiled to be the people that God's made us to be, we shine out him to the rest of the world. As we become more us, the world sees more of him. <laughs> How amazing is that? And then we read Romans 12, 1 earlier about the, us laying down our lives as a living sacrifice and that being worship, which is followed, surprisingly, by Romans 12, 2. <laughs> Um, which says, don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I don't think it's any coincidence that those verses are next to each other. I think that as we lay our lives down and worship him, he is faithful to come and renew us and get rid of the lies and the rubbish that we've been believing. As we fix our eyes on him, we see our, ourselves in a whole new light and we see all of the rubbish that we've picked up along the way for what it is, for rubbish. Um, and like I said, we, we shine him more and more with ever-increasing glory. Uh, we don't need to wor worship to be worthy of anything, to earn some sort of reward or blessing. We're already blessed with every spiritual blessing. I've been transformed from death to life. We're beloved children of the creator of the universe. God loves to reveal more and more of who he is to us. It's like any relationship yeah, he's, he's in us, but we're actively involved in this relationship with him, with this God who's in us. We get to focus on him. We get to seek him out, the God who is inside us. We get to 
choose to spend time with him like, like you would with your, your spouse. Like You can be in the same room watching TV, but you're not going to grow in a relationship particularly well if you just spend your whole time watching TV. But when you actually talk to your spouse, get to know them, when you do things together, you grow and deepen in that relationship. And the same thing is for us, us as Christians. We've got God living inside us. Now let's continue to hunger and thirst for more intimacy and closeness with him. And that responsibility isn't just his. We have a part to play in that in disciplining ourselves to seek after him. For some reason, for me, like when I drive to work, I like to worship in the morning. Um, but there seems to be this invisible wall for me to cross to actually get and do that. Like, I don't know, I just want to listen to the radio or I think I'll do something else because it'd be more valuable. But I can guarantee every time that I've got off my ass and chosen to worship him and done it, I've not regretted it. It's been the best decision that I've made that day because he always comes and speaks to me. He always comes and meets with me. He always shows me himself and renews my mind. Um, There is an enemy out there, the father of lies as he's known, and he loves to speak lies to us and tell us that it's a waste of time, that it's not making any difference. But that's because he knows it's such a transformative, amazing thing that we do when we worship God. (sighs) Yeah, so learning the discipline of worship puts us in a place for God to renew our minds and become more and more like him every day. Sometimes it doesn't feel easy, but that's okay. As the good people at Nike say, just do it. (laughs) We shouldn't be led by our feelings. I mean, our feelings are particularly poor bosses. Um, I mean, they, they do tell us good things, but we need to get away from just doing what we feel like doing. We need to learn to kind of I'm talking to myself here as well, to choose to do things that we know are going to be good for us. Like this Bible in a year thing, like there's so many reasons not to do it, you know. It's going to take this length of time, it's going to take this much effort. I don't feel like it, it's boring, it's weird, but it's changing us. You might not see it like in the moment as we're doing it. You might not notice when you're reading about all the sacrifices and all the laws that it's changing you from the inside, but it is. We're learning about God, we're, we're getting to know him better, it's putting a foundation in you, and oh, it, it's worth it, it's worth it, and yeah, come on, let's do it together, let's do it together. Um, so, number four, it shifts things, worship shifts, shifts things, and is a, a weapon of warfare. Um, the enemy really doesn't like it when we choose to take our eyes off our problems and just fix our eyes on God. I mean, we don't even need to tell him stuff about our problems. We can just tell him how good God is. <laughs> just declare the goodness of God in any situation, that he's the creator, that he's the redeemer, that he's died for me inside. Um, and after a while, you just kind of forget the rubbish that's going on, all the, all the other stuff. Um, he loves it when we bring worship and we don't feel like it. It's, you're not a hypocrite. It's a sacrifice, like I said. You don't need to feel it because it's a sacrifice. Your feelings aren't, aren't the boss, like I said. And the Bible is full of great examples of this kind of worship of, as a warfare thing. I mean, there is this whole spiritual realm that we, that we don't see, that I don't fully understand, but I know is there. <laughs> um, and it's just as real as this one. And the stuff going on in, there, in that realm definitely affects what's going on around us. When we worship, things change in the spiritual realm. It changes the atmosphere, like the atmosphere. Like the other, a while back, I was, I was praying and God kind of revealed to me that it's like, when we worship, it's like we change the atmosphere so that, you know, you know how there's water vapor in the air all the time, but you can't see it. 
but sometimes the atmospheric conditions change and the pressure changes or something and suddenly there's fog or there's rain or something. Like when we worship, that's kind of what's happening. He's <laughs> kind of forming in the midst around us in a tangible, amazing way. And he's kind of changing things in the spiritual realm, like I said. If you don't feel like it, just do it because he's going to change things. He's going to turn your situation around through worship. If you've got 20 minutes to intercede about something, Spend the first 15 minutes worshipping and you'll have a whole new perspective when you finally get around to praying. <laughs> you, you'll probably find what you pray is very different than what you would have prayed at the beginning had you not done that. Um, we've also been doing a bit of worship on the streets. Uh, we did it a bit last year, which has been a good time and we've seen kind of God changing the atmosphere around the area where we're worshipping. Like, I remember last time I was out there doing it, just a group of random teenagers come and stood next to us while we were worshipping God. And some of the guys got to go over and uh, prophesy over them and stuff because, I don't know, they must have been drawn to it or something. I, don't, I wouldn't have gone and stood next to us if I, <laughs> I didn't. It's a bit weird, but <laughs> they, they did. And then some of them got to hear from God, got to hear who they were and stuff. And it's amazing. So if you want to take a risk, we'll be doing it again sometime. So come and join us on the streets and uh, take that risk, stretch that risk muscle. And... Uh, Come and join us. And then finally, number five, worship creates a place for heaven to break out. Inhabits the praises of his people. Where God is, his kingdom is. This God who who heals, who brings restoration, who transforms lives. I mean, at Hope Church, let's not forget like our history, guys. We've we've seen some amazing things. He's done healings during our worship, during our preaching. Uh, we've seen sprained ankles healing. I was I was remembering Jan Tregold when we were away on a weekend away, and she she came with this like sprained ankle, couldn't put any weight on it. Was it fractured? It was fractured. There you go. Couldn't put any weight on it. It was completely swollen. And during the worship, people were praying for her, and it was just completely healed. This is, this, these are our stories. <laughs> We've had deaf ears opened in, in, in this church. It was over at the school, but it was a deaf ear opened. We've had legs grow. People who weren't Christians, legs growing, giving their lives to Jesus and then speaking in tongues. This is our God. Let's not forget these stories. Um, when we worship, he comes and he invades our now and brings his kingdom. It's a brilliant choice. Let's do it. Let's, <laughs> let's worship. Why would we, why would we not? Um, God is among us, not just to bring goosebumps, but to bring healing and deliverance, because that's who he is. And, and that's it. Those are my five reasons why, why we can worship God. And I'm, I'm just so excited about what God's doing in us as a church um, in, in the realm of worship. You guys are amazing at it already. <laughs> so good on you. But as we continue to kind of seek him in our personal time and develop that intimacy with him through choosing him, through laying our lives down every day, as we come together on a Sunday, we're going to see more and more and more of this amazing stuff of God's kind of focused invasion of frying people and healing people and kind of just amazing us with his presence. Um, so yeah, my encouragement to you today is Choose worship. It's worth it because Jesus is worth it because God is good, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Come on. Amen. <laughs>